0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020. I am Danny Webster, and I do appreciate you stopping by for today's episode, as it is a game day for the Vegas Golden Knights, who will try to rebound after Sunday's 4-1 loss to the Los Angeles Kings, their first in nine games. Vegas will try to end this home stretch that they've been on on a very positive note and will look to extend their lead back to four points in the Pacific Division tonight as they take on the New Jersey Devils in what can only be described as a game in which I hope Nikita Gusev gets a hearty video tribute of at least three minutes. Is that reasonable? (laughs) Is there enough practice footage? in the time that Nikita Gusev was signed to his ELC and brought to Las Vegas, is there enough practice footage to put together one hearty of a video tribute? Uh, We will find the answer to that out tonight. My guess is going to be a resounding yes. It is absolutely possible that there is enough footage for Nikita Gusev to just throw him a party tonight the same way they threw Colin Miller a party the other night when the Sabers came to town, and like for everyone else who has come to town, yeah, I'm anticipating that. By the way, n- no, I'm not. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, first of all, welcome to you. But I'm I like to be sarcastic, and even if it's not funny, uh, it tends to happen. Uh, we will be breaking down the Golden Knights' opponent tonight in the form of the New Jersey Devils. As Vegas will try to. Really, in one of its final home games of the season, look to get another important two points as it tries to separate itself from the pack that is the Pacific division. uh We will be discussing that momentarily um, but first, couple of things first of all, housekeeping items out of the way first uh this is the first time you are listening to this podcast. Welcome to you as this is a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights here on the lockdown podcast network. Uh, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you consume your podcast is more than likely on there. Uh, You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at Danny Webster 21 Or if you like sending emails, you can do so to LockedOnGoldenNights at gmail.com. That is the, uh, the first thing. The second thing that I just wanted to briefly mention today, I know it's been going around Twitter a little bit today, and it went around Twitter obviously yesterday, uh if you are a golden Knights fan, you know um as of i believe it was yesterday um two very important Golden Knights fans passed away yesterday uh John Barata, you know, most of you know is closest thing to Hulk Hogan he's the Hulk Hogan impersonator um at Golden Knights games, and uh Jessica Cash. Uh, who had been diagnosed with cancer for a very long time, uh, both of them passed away uh yesterday uh, i didn't know either of them personally. I did meet John one time and it was a it was a very interesting time. We had a very good conversation about his uh Hulk persona, but I just wanted to make sure those two were acknowledged uh, before we get going today um, again, two very uh from what I understood, very nice people, very great people. And again, I, I talked to John once and he was, uh, very kind to me and, uh, thoughts and prayers to their families today. I can't imagine losing both of them like that is very, very heartbreaking. So I just want to make sure I acknowledge those guys or acknowledge those two before uh, we go on today. So John and Jessica, um, we're thinking of you today, for definitely for sure, and uh, your thoughts and prayers to your families and to you as well. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to some hockey as the Golden Knights once again trying to rebound after their i I can't even call it I can't even call it a game in which they were outplayed. I thought for the most part, when it comes to how that game unfolded. I think the general consensus when you talk to you know, Pete Peter and you talk to players in the locker room, if the Golden Knights played that game another four or five times, they probably win that game four or five times. It's just, for whatever reason, backup goaltenders from the Kings just tend to do better at T-Mobile Arena. I've never really understood it, but it is the time that we live in. So now the Golden Knights have to put it behind them, losing forward one to the Kings on Sunday. And they now come back for their final home game in this, you know, 9 and 10 stretch that they had, uh, where they will be taking on the New Jersey Devils. The a Devils team that for the most part is out of the playoff race. They are I believe 8th in the metro, so they're and I think they're like 14 points back of a, of, of a wild card spot. So it's not like the Devils are going to be making a run for it unless they just win their final 15 games or whatever it is. But the Devils have been playing a lot better recently, and they are on a six-game point streak. They've also gotten points in seven of their last eight, and they're coming off a 3 nothing victory against the Ducks on Sunday. The same game against the Ducks where John Gibson laid a shoulder into one of the Devils players, or an elbow, I should say. Clearly, John Gibson wants to get out of Anaheim. That is the clear message that I got when I saw that. But the, but the, uh, the Devils are on a six game point streak. They have beaten the Sharks, the Capitals, the Red Wings, and the Ducks, and they lost in overtime to the Sharks and the Kings. And now the Devils wrap up a five game road trip tonight against the Golden Knights. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, even though jokingly, this is the first time Nikita Gusev will skate. At T-Mobile Arena, you'll recall that the Golden Knights decided to trade the one they call the Goose when they couldn't reach a contract agreement. Gusev right now is the second leading scorer on the Devils with 42 points. He is having, by all accounts, a very nice, solid second half to the season. You recall, I think it was earlier in the season, he he struggled to get points. He was terrible in the defensive zone. And I mean, who wouldn't be terrible in the defensive zone when it's the Devils? It's the way it is right now. But Gusev has rebounded nicely to have a very solid first NHL season in the first of a two-year, $9 million contract that the Devils signed him to uh, this past summer when the Golden Knights and Gusev could not come to an agreement on a deal. So this game, in general, is important. And it's not just because of the fact that the Golden Knights are still trying to separate themselves from the pack in the Pacific Division, that much is certain. But of course, trying to see if they can bounce back after a really tough loss on Sunday. You, f- you factor in the way they lost that game. Kings had 17 shots, scored four goals on them. Uh, Mark Stone still hurt, not again, likely not going to play in this game. You're still dealing with injuries to Alex Tuck. You're trying to figure out how you can organize the mosh posh that you have in the lineup between uh, Chandler Stevenson on one line, Nicholas Wall on another line, Brandon Puri on another line. It's a whole load of mishmash that the Golden Knights are trying to find their way through at this current point in time. So now you have to, one, rebound from that two make sure you have the right combinations going into this game. And by the looks of things, Pete DeBoer is going to shake things up going into this game primarily with what we saw at the tail end of the Kings game on Sunday, as it will look like this in projected lines. Again, things are expected to change at some point, but here's what I'm expecting. Top line stays the same. Marshall Stasny Smith. Second line is where we see a little bit of a shakeup. Max Pacioretty on the left, William Carlson centering with Nicholas Waugh on the right. He did take rushes and he did uh, practice with the second line uh, on Monday. So this is a very big opportunity for one Nicolas Waugh. Third line, I would expect, unless barring anything really drastic that I don't think any of us expect, I would see William Carrier on the left with Nick Cousins and Chandler Stevenson on the third line. And then the fourth line, Brandon Peary, Tomasz Nosek, and Ryan Reeves. Defense pairings probably stay the same with McNabb, Schmidt, Martinez, Theodore, and Holden, and White Cloud. And it has been confirmed by DeBoer that Robin Leonard will get his second start with the Golden Knights uh, tonight against the Devils. So that is your look at what the Golden Knights will be presenting for this game tonight in the forms of lines and combinations. Again, Devils are playing very well right now. The Golden Knights will have a good chance to prove that that one game was just a hiccup, and they can end this home stretch on a very positive note. So I wanted to talk about Nicholas Waugh. And normally I don't go into these shows thinking like, oh, I'm going to talk about this one particular person. Literally, as I was giving the lines and whatnot, I feel like Nicholas Waugh needs to get some love. And he has been... I think everything advertised and more when it comes to what the Golden Knights were hoping to get and what they eventually got. You you go back to the Eric Holla trade back in June. That trade, while I didn't really expect Holla to get traded, I wasn't surprised. Because I remember in the weeks leading up to it, I had actually written something about Holla where that was that was the guy that that would be the wild card if the golden knights were going to do anything this off season perhaps one of the things that they were going to do was look at look at unloading hala did i think it was actually going to happen and in hindsight no but i would not have been surprised i mean you're talking about a guy who had 29 goals in the in the inaugural year and then he has the knee injury in year 2 and if you were talking about any way to get off that contract when you needed to clear cap space, at least that's one of the guys that you can look to and say, okay, $2.75 million or however much it was at the time, that's an easy one to take off the books. And if there's a team that's willing to take a chance on Hala, then that would be ideal. Carolina was that team. So far, for better or for worse, it's actually worked out. But Nicholas Waugh was, by all means considered a throw-in, I I, it's, I it's can 100% guarantee you that the Golden Knights did not acquire Nicholas Waugh because they saw what he did in the Calder Cup final last year with the Charlotte Checkers against, ironically, the Chicago Wolves. They did not look at that and say, you know what, we could use him on our team and he'd eventually be a top six option when Mark Stone gets hurt. They didn't think like that. Nicholas Waugh has for really ever since he got to Vegas, he has shown flashes of what he can be. Uh You look into the preseason. He was mainly a fourth line guy as expected. The one thing that always stood out to me with wall was the fact that he would win face-offs almost every single draw. I think there was like a, there was a two game stretch where wall had won like 80 something percent of his face-offs or something of that nature. It was that ridiculous. And I just remember watching. I'm like, that's going to be a valuable asset to have if he stays on this main roster. And really, Waugh stayed all the way up to like the last round of cuts for the Golden Knights. It was a very close call. And when you were trying to figure out who would be the eventual fourth line center between him and Tomas, I was like, I really thought Waugh had a chance to kind of unseat Nosek. But, you know, to Gerard Gallant, and whether it be good or bad, he believed in his original guys. It wasn't that he didn't believe in Wah. He thought that Wall deserved a chance too. So when Waugh finally got the call up and he eventually got his chance to play, um, he showed that he was very capable of being a grinder on the fourth line with some offensive talent. And it didn't take long. His first game as a Golden Knights player, I cannot remember off the top of my head which game it was, but it was early on. I think it was I wanna say it was against the Ducks. And WA scores his first NHL goal off a beautiful off beautiful stick work, maneuvers his way from the neutral zone into the attacking zone and scores. I believe it was against the Ducks. I'll have to go back and look. But from then, it's you saw what WA was capable of. But what I think is impressing me more about what WA is doing right now is the fact that he is doing this now as a winger he's been getting more time as a right wing as of late and he's been making the most out of that opportunity I mean you saw the goal that he scored against what was what was it the Buffalo game where he had that goal where he took the pass from Nick Cousins and yeah even if he was had all that time and space in the slot which he didn't even expect I asked him if he had if he was surprised at all the time that he had um but he had enough time to collect himself, make the move and uh beat Carter Hutton the way that he did. And from that point on, the Golden Knights were off and they were able to win that game 4 to 2. It's weird because you watch him and you watch how he performs and watch when he gets the puck and you didn't expect that from him. Like I know that he was a he was a capable scorer in terms of points, not like overall goal scoring. But even if you look back to when he was with the Charlotte Checkers last year on their way to the Calder Cup Trophy, the overall theme of what um, Waugh did in the in the Calder Cup playoffs, he was by far their best player that entire time, and he was an unbelievable playmaker. And what we're seeing right now is a guy who has very high IQ a very good sense of scoring with the puck he's not going to he's not going to you know shock you with his scoring he's not like one of those snipers that you can creep at the right circle and just let him rip every time he gets it he's a very smart guy that when he gets the puck he's always looking for his teammates first and you saw that on Sunday when he got his time on the second line there were moments where Wa was making plays, and if it weren't for the fact that Cal Peterson turned into the next uh, the next version of Dominic Hasek, you know, we're probably talking a different ball game here. But it is I, I am very I am very pleased for what it's worth to see Wa evolve into the player that he's become, and the fact that he has really elevated himself. To be that guy that is saying i 'm going to take the reins and try my best to take the place of Mark Stone for however long he 's out, I think that is huge for the Golden Knights. It might hurt them in the in the in the uh, pocketbook come July one when Waugh is a restricted free agent. And, you know, maybe the dollar figure might be a little bit askewed, skewed, but he's definitely going to make more than the, like, 750000 that he's making this year. That's for damn sure. But he he is a guy who I think has really taken that next step under DeBoer. And I think he's someone that has really become that X factor for the Golden Knights. He's someone who, when you get into the playoffs— and there's one guy who you think could score you that one goal that could really make a difference. I think Nick Waugh might be that guy. And you know, I'm not saying he's going to score a point per game. or uh, who, who knows what even his role is going to look like when Mark Stone and Alex Tuck return from injury. Waugh might go either be be a healthy scratch or he might be a fourth-line guy. But no matter where you put him, he's going to perform because that is what he's done you know, for the 25, 35,000 times that he's been called up from AHL Chicago this year. And that whenever he's gotten a chance to get on the ice and perform, that's what he's done. And it's been one of the bigger revelations for the Golden Knights this season when it's come to how, who they've acquired, what they've acquired and how they did to get those players. Um, you know there was a tweet about a few weeks ago maybe it was it was probably at the deadline or something where they were somebody I can't remember who it was but I think they were talking about the Eric Hala trade is that makes they that I think it was like the Sabres could have gotten Eric Hala for whatever return they got because they basically gone for nothing I'm like Nicholas Waugh is nothing is not nothing Nicholas Waugh has proven to be a very good NHL player and Given the fact that the Hurricanes moved on from Holla to now move him to Florida, which in hindsight, as I'm talking, I totally forgot that Eric Holla was moved to Florida uh, in the Vincent Trocek deal. In hindsight, the Golden Knights won that trade because then they still got a draft pick back because Holla did not finish his time in Carolina. And Nicholas Waugh right now, even if he has been called up 55,000 times and has probably racked up all the frequent fire miles to AHL Chicago— that that right to me, I think, means the Golden Knights won the trade and it was a big trade for the Golden Knights to make because they moved on from one of their original guys and they got a good player in return, a good young player in return that can even get better because I think he's only, what, 24, maybe 25? He's still got time to get better. So I, I'm very interested to see what his role for the Golden Knights will be beyond this year, but... As far as this year goes, I do believe he's found a permanent spot on this roster. No matter where you put him, and I think he's he's going to be a very valuable asset for the Golden Knights come playoff time. And, and I think it would not shock me in the least if he's that one guy you look to him and say, "Do you need a goal? Are you in need of a spark? Number ten might be the guy for you." So, I, I think at least I think now we can kind of close the book on the uh, Eric Holla-Nicholas Waugh trade and saying the Golden Knights won that trade. I think it's very fair to say that. All right, two 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 games around the league um, before we get out of here. Colorado won 2-1 to one against Detroit. The only thing surprising about that is that Colorado did win by more than one. That That's fair. But the only game that really mattered tonight in the eyes of the Golden Knights was the Edmonton Oilers. Pot- potentially not potentially the Oilers kicked the crap out of the Nashville predators. What I meant to say was that the predators are a likely opponent for the golden Knights in the first round of the playoffs. We kind of talked about it yesterday of how badly I'd like to go to Nashville. And if it were not for the fact that Nashville was tied three to three, I'm like, Oh, this might be the chance if Nashville can come back and beat Edmonton. Uh, then yay. I guess if you're a golden Knights fan, if you really want to go to Nashville, that that is that was the game you're hoping for well it was three to three and then all of a sudden I was writing a story for nhl.com and then I go to Twitter and it says four three and it was Connor McDavid who scored I'm like okay cool whatever and then literally two seconds later oh it's five three wait what and then six, what, what, what is, what is going on? What, why, why is Leon Dreisaitl scoring? Leon, Leon stop scoring. What the hell? Eight to three in the span of less than five or five minutes and 13 seconds. Yeah, that was that kind of game. The Oilers scored five times in a span of five minutes and 13 seconds, starting with McDavid and then Leon Dreisaitl. Zach Hassian, Leon Dreisaitl, and Leon Dreisaitl. A four-goal game for Leon Dreisaitl, who now has 43 goals this season uh, to go along with his 64 points. That gives him 107 points on the season. Leon Dreisaitl is likely winning the MVP trophy because, my God, that is... Man, and you know what? At at that point, you can't put it all on Pekarene. I mean, he tried. The man tried, and just everything just collapsed in the third period. When when those guys get going the way that they do, and I'm talking Drysaddle and McDavid, you know, and even Ryan Nugent Hopkins had three assists. You look down the you look down the line. Kylie Yamamoto had a goal and assist. Josh Archibald got the scoring going with the first goal of the game. When you have those guys going the way that they are, and again, they're not even at full strength yet. They still got James Neal coming back from injury. But again, they just got Cassian back from his suspension. Man, the Oilers, they are dangerous, man. And And I don't want to think that the Golden Knights are doomed if they play them in the second round. But we're seeing right now just how dangerous of a club that is. You know, they're not the most consistent team, but the Oilers, when they have it turned on, it is tough to beat them. And the Golden Knights cannot afford to have so many posts and so many crossbars go their way. Um, the, The Oilers, they are good. In this current climate of the Pacific Division, the Oilers are good, and that is the reality that we have to accept when discussing the current state this year. We're two-thirds of the way home, and the Oilers are still in the thick of things with a very realistic chance of winning the division title. A lot can happen between now and the end of the season, and again, the Golden Knights face the Oilers twice more, both times in Edmonton, before this season is over. I'm just saying... If the Oilers are playing like this, and again, it, it's not like that they were playing you know, a crappy Nashville team. This is a Nashville team that has stormed all the way back to, take, to come close to you know, clinching a playoff spot. They are right there. So it's not like the Predators were coming in just playing like absolute dog crap. They've been playing very well. And the Oilers just punched them in the mouth over and over and over again in the third period. Can McDavid and Drysaddle get five points a game? It, it's possible, but it's it's it seems unrealistic, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. So eight three, Oilers beat the Predators on a five goal third, on a hat trick in the third for Leon Drysaddle. That guy is amazing. Like it, it is crazy to watch that guy. And just be like, you know what? For one year, Connor McDavid is not the best player on that team. Leon Drysaddle is. It is absolutely a thrill to watch that guy play hockey. It's a lot of fun. All right, so those were your only two games uh, going into today. Um, so the plan, as it is right now, since we did finish uh, today with pregame pod, tonight will be the postgame pod. Expect that Wednesday morning, actually. I, I should probably rephrase that. Tomorrow, postgame pod. It'd be early in the morning, probably twelve thirty one o'clock in the morning, as we've usually done, um, but be on the lookout for that probably on your podcast feeds when you wake up because you know i don't do random sleep hours anymore it's weird uh by the way uh I feel like my phone has these moments where it's trying to mock me. The only reason why I say that is because I was driving my way home today from city national arena, and then c n n comes out with this push notification on the phone it says, pick a bedtime and stick with it. That's the headline. And the description says changing your sleep wake cycle by 90 minutes in either direction significantly increases your chance of having heart problems. I hate when my phone tries to talk to me and it's not because I think I have heart problems. I think it's simply because I suck at sleeping and my phone is telling me, dude, you should try and sleep. Cause you guys know I've tried recording podcasts at three, four o'clock in the morning. Sometimes it just doesn't work that way. But yeah, apparently, um, I'm probably one of those who, uh, have many weird sleep problems and my phone has to call me out on it, I guess. So that it is what it is. Um, but yeah, do expect that post game pod in your feeds tomorrow morning. Um, until then, I believe that will do it for me tonight, everybody. So thank you for downloading, for sharing, subscribing, listening, all that jazz. Um, if you're on Apple podcast, if you don't mind to please leave a rating and review helps people, find the podcast. Also lets me know how I'm doing on the show. Um, whether your comments are good, bad and different, whatever it is, um, feedback is always welcome. Again, I'm not the best, you know, deliverer of words. Sometimes I try to be, but I'm definitely not, but I do appreciate if you like, listen to me ramble for 25, 30 minutes a day. It is greatly appreciated. So until then, until tomorrow, that will do it for me. You all have a great day. Have a great Tuesday and uh, enjoy the game tonight, Golden Knights and the Devils. I gotta wonder if Pete DeBoer likes facing the Devils anymore. Maybe if, if there's any more uh, added meaning to that game, probably not as much of when he would play the Sharks. I guess that that first time would be a lot of emotionally uh, charged up for him. So that'll do it for me, guys. Thank you. Have a good one. I am Danny Webster. This has been locked on Golden Knights, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, and I will see you tomorrow for the game against the Devils. Have a good one.